hand to the worship team. They've been so good today. Amen. I'm, I'm glad to be here. And I, I could have been elsewhere, but I'm here. And uh, again, church, this is pretty impressive, but I'm not going to lie. In 2021, we're going for number one. So, so with that said, let's keep doing what we're doing. If you would turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24, uh, this sermon is not like other sermons I typically do. It's strictly teaching. If you are a note taker, I am emphasizing notes today. We are, we are uh, going to have a lot of scripture, but I felt it was important that as we're continuing in the series, uh, The King is Coming, that this, this message we focus specifically on signs preceding his coming. We, we briefly talked about that in the first week, and th- this message I did, I did a lot of research, and I learned that as I was diving in, I could give you a lot more, but I don't want to overwhelm you, because what I have, I believe already, is pretty overwhelming in just sticking to uh, the, the, the gospel scriptures and then some Old Testament that we're going to mix in, but... Um, The signs and things that will be evident in our world that Jesus Christ is returning soon is what we're going to focus on. And what I have read, Scripture is full of verses that allude to what will be taking place right before Jesus returns. And so if you believe in Jesus Christ, I believe that you must cling to the truth that He is going to return for His people. Amen? And so this world after that is going to end as we know it, and God's kingdom is going to be fully established. And so, as I said, these teachings, they're all over in Scripture. We already covered, this was in our first week, that one in 25 verses in the New Testament speaks of Jesus Christ's return. And so it is important for us to be watchful and alert and recognize the times that we're in. So we're going to be Matthew 24, verses 1 through 14 to start us off. Let's go ahead and read. Jesus was leaving the temple grounds. His disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings, but he responded, Do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth, they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, tell us when all this will happen. What sign will signal your return in the end of the world? Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this will only, uh, uh, all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed, you will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray me 
and, and betray and hate each other, excuse me. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. Let's pray. Lord, your word at times, it's, it's shocking. God, at times when, when it speaks to our heart, it can, it can bring about fear. And Lord, I pray that we'll, we will embrace as it says in verse 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. God, I pray for a church that knows how to endure. And that, Lord, these words will not scare us, but God, knowing that we are going to be called home and looking at signs that point to that, will comfort us. I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Who heard this in Matthew chapter 24, especially near the end? And toward the end, you're like, yeah, I don't like that so much. It's kind of uncomfortable, isn't it? We hear those words and we, you know, especially in a modern day time of talking about a, a gospel where we're supposed to always feel good and, and be prosperous. This does not speak of prosperity, but it speaks of persecution. And I don't know about you, instead of hearing all the time what makes me feel good, I'd rather know the truth, amen? And I, I am a man that I want to hear the truth. And so what we're going to get out of this today, and there's going to be much scripture, and technically it's more than three signs, but there are three particular subjects or three signs that precede the second coming. And the first of which that we're going to talk about is the world itself will give signs. We'll be able to look about the activity and things that are going on in the world, and it will give signs. And the first thing that I need to mention, as we learn about the first week we talked about this, is look to the sky. Look to the sky. Matthew 24, 29. Listen to this. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will give no light. The stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And this is reaffirmed in Revelation 6.13, Revelation 8.10, Revelation 9.1, Isaiah 13.10. And what this is, this is a miraculous sign that Christ is coming soon. And I'm going to tell you, when these things are happening, people are going to be fearful. That's going to be natural. And so here's the thing, though. I honestly believe that, that this kind of event is only going to add to the chaos of everything else already going on. It just piles up. It's just another thing. And here's the thing. This isn't written to be figurative or a metaphor. It will literally take place. These, the, 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 the way this is written, it will literally occur. And these signs occurring, they're either going to do one of two things. They're going to draw people to God or further harden the hearts of people. But I want you to mark my word that if you are waiting 
to, to fully serve God by the time these things occur. If you've only got like, if you're kind of riding the fence or you're like, okay, I like one foot over here and I like the other foot over here. And, and I'll get serious about my faith when these kind of things start occurring. I'm telling you, that is going to be too late. It's going to be too late because the time to get serious about our relationship with the Lord is now. And if so if we position our heart where we are waiting for a sign, it shows that our heart is already drawn to the ways of the world. And I'm telling you, when your heart is drawn to the ways of the world, that your heart is going to be hardened. There are enough deceiving spirits and there will be more to lure us into worldly thinking as we go along. So the time to solidify yourself in the Word of God is now. You hearing me, church? The next thing that's mentioned is wars and threats. Listen to Matthew 24, 7 through 8. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. And church, I'm going to say this boldly. These things have already begun. The wars and rumors of wars. How many times in the past, just, just think about the last 10 years, have you heard threats of nations potentially going to war with other nations? Right? So I want to list for you, and, and th this isn't even including just the countries in the past 10 years that have been linked to potential war, especially with the U.S., but there is an organization that I did research through this week called Crisis Group that links 10 potential conflicts just in 2021. Okay? So listen to these. Afghanistan, Ethiopia, Sahel region of North Africa, Yemen, Venezuela, Somalia, Libya, Iran, U.S., Russia, Turkey. And then I added, for the sake, the last one they had was climate change. I'm like, oh, come on. North Korea. China. Think about those. These are all conflicts. If you turn on your news, you will hear about regularly, and, and it will be threats of war. And this doesn't even include everything that is going on in Israel, which we're going to get to. The next thing that is mentioned, famines and earthquakes. Now, I'm sure you've heard, and I'm sure you've noticed have you, have you, as you've watched the news, global earthquakes earthquakes have increased look at this chart over the last 30 years behind me and you see how the increases occurred and the the last uh recorded data they had for this specific chart was 2017 now let's cover cover the other subject famines famine according to experts believe it or not is at an all-time low but I want you to think about it in these terms, because this can happen so quickly. As earth activities increase, such as floods, such as droughts, fires, crops will be destroyed, and famine can take place quickly. And so these are all signs that point to the Lord's return, amen? But here's the thing I know. 
That as I look to Scripture and as I look at all these signs, not everything is bad. One of the key factors of what is good that God is up to is the restoration of Israel. Which that is the, that is the second sign I want to talk about. The restoration of Israel. Now I believe that Israel will have their land fully secured. And it's not fully secured yet, but I want to read for you Jeremiah 33. Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 3 says, For the time is coming when I will restore the fortunes of my people of Israel and Judah. I will bring them home to this land that I gave to their ancestors, and they will possess it again. I, the Lord, have spoken. From 86 A.D. to 136 A.D., there was a war called the Jewish-Roman War. During that time, Jews accounted for approximately 75% of Israel, and at that time, 1.2 million Jews were killed. 100,000 were enslaved. Many were exiled to the Roman Empire. Jerusalem's temple was destroyed. And then for nearly 2,000 years, Israel was not a nation as we know it today. So it is not insignificant that the result of World War II and Israel being established as a nation again. Do you guys see how important that is? Okay? So once Israel, and this is the sign that we watch for, once Israel can establish the temple in Jerusalem, or what we will refer to as the third temple, the prophet Amos spoke about this in Amos 9.11. Listen to this. In that day I will restore the fallen house of David. I will repair its damaged walls from the ruins. I will rebuild it and restore its former glory. Listen to Isaiah chapter 2 verses 2 through 3. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the most important place on earth. It will be raised above the other hills, and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. People from many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. There he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths For the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion. His word will go out from Jerusalem. I'm not going to read it, but this is also mentioned in Revelation chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. And according to Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, at the time of the third temple, there will be a peace covenant God makes with Israel. And as exciting as all this is and me talking about this, God is going to work on the hearts of, of those in Israel. Are you seeing why it's so important to pray for Israel as a nation? Because what we have learned, if you come on Wednesday nights, what we have learned is Israel will come to accept Jesus Christ as the Messiah. I encourage you, turn to Romans chapter 11, verses 25 through 26. Romans 11, 25 through 26. Paul says, I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. 
and so all Israel will be saved. As the scriptures say, the one who rescues will come from Jerusalem, and he will turn Israel away from ungodliness. I want to read verse 26 again. It says, and so all Israel will be saved. Did you guys hear that? All Israel will be saved, as the scriptures say, the one who rescues will come from Jerusalem, and he will turn Israel away from ungodliness. What, Paul, what the Apostle Paul is teaching here, that Israel has hard hearts, and that will remain until the full number of Gentiles come to Christ. At that time, the Apostle Paul says, all Israel will be saved. Now, I want to be very clear about this, and I, specifically about that word, all. Here it is meant to be on the whole. It isn't that every single, 100%, every single person will be saved. But on the whole, Jews are going to accept Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And God is not going to be doing this. I want to be clear. God is not going to be doing this under the banner of the Old Covenant. But hearts will be changed to see Christ as God's Son who is prophet, priest, and king. Can I get an amen? amen? And we know, here's the key, we know this has to be an acknowledgement of Jesus Christ. Listen to Hosea 5.15. It says, Then I will return to my place until they admit their guilt and turn to me. For as soon as trouble comes, they will earnestly search for me. Now, Hosea 5.15, check this out. The word until, listen to this. Then I will, I will return to my place until they admit their guilt and turn to me. That tells us that the nation will one day return to God, as is also mentioned in Jeremiah chapter 30, being in the latter days, the time of the third temple, okay? Now listen to, now check this out. Because you're going to see a parallel between Hosea 5.15 and what Jesus says in Matthew 23.29. Jesus says, for I tell you this, you will never see me again until you say, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Once this occurs, we can strongly say, Jesus Christ will be coming soon. Amen? But then Scripture also touches on what will be going on in the rest of the world. So now what we're going to do is we're going to look at, thirdly, the actions of people. The actions of people. And the first obvious thing is that pe evil will run rampant. Evil will run rampant. And specifically, people loving pleasure rather than God. Now, I don't know if you've ever studied the top economic nations of the world, but I am fascinated with that. The top economic nations of the world right now, which country do you think is number one? What was that? China. You know who's number two? United Arab Emirates. Did you know that? United Arab Emirates. And what I have found is a common thread where these nations are economically booming, and we can definitely see that in this nation, is that people tend to focus on pleasure as the number one driving force of what they do when they're not making money, right? 
And so we have the United Arab Emirates, and I don't know if you have ever seen video or studied information on what is taking place in Dubai, but those people live a life of luxury. You want to see what their police cars look like? We're going to put it up on the screen. This is what their police cars look like. They're supercars. They drive Lamborghinis. They drive Ferraris because everyone else is, so they got to be able to catch them. There is, there is, if you go on Instagram, and I don't know how many people like Instagram, but there are chef videos all over in Dubai where they use this gold leafing and they put it around the steaks so people will order like these $10,000 steaks that are covered in this gold leafing that is edible. People are doing that regularly. Crazy. I, I heard about this about five or six years ago. In fact, Dubai has an indoor ski mountain so that people can ski in the desert. Think about that. They have a building so big that they can go downhill skiing in snow. Now listen to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. They are the kind whose work, who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth. Imagine at this time women were educated, and so that was what Paul was referring to. These teachers opposed the truth just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses. They have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith, but they won't get away with this for long. Someday everyone will recognize what fools they are, just as Janus and Jambres. When you look at those first, particularly five verses in 2 Timothy chapter 3, that 1 through 5, how many things would you say you see today? Listen to this again. We'll just recap it quickly. People will only love themselves, their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Okay, son, we got it. <laughs> they will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless. They will be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Seen that all over. 
right? We're seeing that all over. Another thing, as, as I said, we, we've got a lot here. Others coming in the name of Christ. Matthew 24, 5. For many will come in my name claiming, I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. We know in Scripture that there are antichrists, and then there is the antichrist in Revelation. So there are antichrist, little a, and there, then there's the antichrist, capital A. They will perform the miraculous. They will be a figure that on the surface presents themselves as good. We're going to want to receive them as someone who is good. They will naturally, by their charisma, character, they will draw people unto them. And Satan's main tool, and this is what I want you to take, take to the bank, because Christians are going to be deceived. Satan's main tool is deception. And so as we believers, we need to be rooted deeply in the word of God and seek wisdom as to not be deceived. Because I want to say this, and I, I, need to, I need to be strong in this. No one can replace Jesus Christ. God never promised a secondary figure of Jesus Christ. Okay? There's only one Jesus. And when he returns for his people, he will be meeting us in the clouds. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 4.17. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. Now listen to Revelation 1-7. Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, amen. And here I have gone through all this and I, I, I've thrown a lot at you. But I need to emphasize this point very strongly. That there are churches out there that from time to time they will invoke the name of Jesus Christ. They're presented as Christian churches. But you need to be wise because I know there's a lot of teachings out there on, on TV, podcasts, internet, you know, Facebook, wherever you can watch. But if, if anyone but Christ is the central figure of the message oppose it okay oppose it the last thing that I want to encourage you in that I know in the last days the good news will be preached the good news will be preached and thus the need as Jesus covered in Matthew chapter 24 near the end of our reading today that you will need to endure for the purpose of preaching the gospel. Listen to Matthew 24:13 through 14, but the one who endures till the end will be saved and the good news about the kingdom of God will be preached throughout the world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. That endurance is a critical part of our faith. We do not have the opportunity and we should not wallow in self-pity. 
We should not be so sorrowful that we just choose to mourn instead of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because what we learn from Christ here in this section of Scripture is that people will hate you for what you believe. And so if you are a people pleaser, you need to work on changing that because there are going to be people who hate you solely for the fact that you believe in Jesus Christ. And so that is why, again, we need to be so deeply rooted in our faith that when persecution comes, we will not allow ourselves to be pushed away from that or sidetracked at all. We are going to remain rooted because we have read the truth. We know the truth. We know what to expect. Amen? One of my favorite passages is in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. And Paul specifically talks about enduring to the end. And he equates it to either, either practicing shadow boxing, as he refers to it, or another thing, he, he refers to it as a race. So what I want you to do is I want you to picture this, this run that we have in this finish line, which is the end of our life, as the marathon of your life. Who knows that if you go to run a marathon, which is 26.1 miles. You have not succeeded if you finish at mile 25. Right? You have not succeeded if you make it 13. You have succeeded if, it's actually 26.2. You have succeeded if you've made it the entire marathon. Okay? We as believers in Jesus Christ, this is a marathon. This isn't a sprint. And some people we know, they do so good right out of the box. And they can run so well. But I am telling you, church, to be prepared for what is to come. Know what it looks like in order that you know to keep pushing. As hard as it gets, keep pushing. Do not give up. Keep your eyes on Christ. Know that it is not about the world. Know that you were created with for an eternal purpose. A purpose that God meant that you spend the rest of your days with Him. One day, everything we see is going to end. And we are going to be brought up into eternity with Him so that we can spend eternity in His splendor. As a result, the world needs to know about Jesus because of what He has done. They need to know about that faith that you have. And you and I, we don't need saved or rescued on our merit and what we have done, but solely because of Jesus Christ. And so you might look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, I'm a pretty good person. I see why God would have sent his son for me. Get that out of your head. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And each and every one of you, no matter who comes in this room, we shall not deny them the truth that Jesus Christ died for them. The people that you have differences with outside of this room, we should not deny them the truth because they are as much a sinner as we are. We should not deny them the truth that Jesus Christ died for them. 
And so you should be charged up in your spirit that if Christ died for me and there was nothing I could do to deserve it, then there's nothing anyone can do to deserve it. So I need to go tell everyone. And accept the fact that some are going to reject you. But if there is anything I can do to urge you or plead with you, stop waiting to get your act together. Stop waiting to just know the signs and then clean up everything. Fully commit to following Christ. And know that means that if He died for me, I should live for Him. Each and every day. No matter what comes my way. And so I believe what God is doing through His Word and and what He's confirmed to me as I studied this that the Holy Spirit is urging us to not delay. But to get rooted into this faith so that we can withstand anything that comes against us. And so God has made a commitment to you and I through His Son, Jesus Christ. He gave you life, or, or He gave His life, excuse me, so that you can find yours. And I have fully discovered who I am and God's true purpose through His Son, Jesus Christ. If I want to just focus on this world, I'd be a miserable person. I'd be looking. I'm doing a funeral at 2 o'clock today. And I could look at life and say, man, we're just here and gone. There's no hope in that. But there is when you realize we have been created For God's pleasure. We have been created because He wants nothing more than to spend eternity with us. And here's the thing for those of you who don't realize this, man made a choice in the beginning. God gave us free will, He created us in His image. And so God gave us free will. And we chose disobedience. And by choosing disobedience, what that did is it caused a separation between us and God because God is perfect. And God's ways are perfect. And if you want to receive that hope in eternity, you must receive Christ. He is the only one that can reconcile us to God. We needed that perfect sacrifice, and that is Jesus. And so that's why, in accordance with John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to get to God. It's the only way we can be reconciled. And so I ask that you, if you're here, please just close your eyes. Focus on Him for a moment. Now focus on this message, everything that's going on in our world. And ask yourself, am I fully committed? Am I fully rooted? 
Or do I have worldly things in my life that I need to uproot so that God can fully take hold of my life? If you are here today and you say, Pastor, I need to fully commit my life to Jesus Christ. I don't want to play around anymore. I need strengthened by him. I need him daily. I need to serve him daily. If that is you, I ask that you be so bold as if you would stand to your feet. Praise God. Praise God. God is saying let the things of this world go let it go it only satisfies you temporarily but God says I bring full satisfaction to your life when you let these things go And so I plead with you to give it up and I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Instead, you will be fulfilled. Fulfilled by the inner work of a living God. And so what I want you to do is I want you to lift your hands right where you're standing. And pray with me, Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for those who are standing here today that acknowledge with me, God, we need to fully commit to you and we need to prepare ourselves. And Lord, there might be people in this room that say, Lord, there's some things you need to help me uproot in my life, worldly things that have taken hold, that I have let control who I am or I've let separate me from you. So God, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, these things will be revealed and Lord they will not only be removed from us these roots will not only be removed but they will be burned in Jesus name that God we have nothing to do with them anymore but we are completely committed and surrendered over to you I thank you so much God for the faith of these people and I pray that as these days come and we see these signs occurring more and more that God we will not waver We will endure until the end. And God, we will be focused on preaching the gospel of your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you so much for your word and truth. And I thank you for a people that, Lord, in their humility, recognize when we need work. Lord, I thank you so much. God, I know we are all a work in progress. But God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, you are refining us in the fire. Lord, you are making us into the image of your Son. May we be committed to you. That Lord, the more we see our reflection, it looks like your perfect Son, Jesus Christ. I thank you and praise you. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Church, if you can be seated for just one moment. Okay, I want you to hear me. There, there are some of us that bring creature comforts to the pews with us. And there are days like today where we have a funeral following. So we, we sometimes leave stuff in the pews. I ask you, if you could pick that up. If you bring pillows into the sanctuary, I want you to know that every time we have a special service, Ellen comes, gets those puts those away, and then tries to remember where she got them and puts them back after those services, okay? And so I, I, I ask you to take those and maybe put those. There's an oak cabinet in the coat room area, and I ask you to put those things away because we have a service at 2 o'clock today, okay? And so I also, church, just want to encourage you, keep going, Keep enduring, amen? So this next week is um, July 4th, and we're going to celebrate our freedom in Jesus Christ, amen? Amen. So I'm going I'm to close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for these people and this service. And God, I pray that as we go out, into uh, parts of Des Moines and the metropolitan area, Lord, that we will not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, but we will deliver it to people who desperately need it. I thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.